Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. A biblical perspective to joy is balanced and a lot more mature. And you say the kind of man cannot really understand it or receive it. God in this ministry is raising soldiers. And that's why your understanding of the word of God must be strong. Because it is those that know their God that will be strong. There are a lot of people who have been in church for a long time, but they go through hard times and then you find them vacillating and their faith is shaky. It is not mysterious why they are going through what they are going through. If your strength fails in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you are training for the army, or you are training as a professional athlete, your exercise routines are different. Your diet is different. And that's why it matters where you worship. Where you fellowship. It matters what you listen to. It matters that you grow. So today, um, what starting, should I call it a soft series? Of course, the theme for this month is Jesus Joy. But when we start a soft series, we are calling it Kill Joy. Identifying things that try to steal your joy. And so it is. All right, so we want to talk about competition. Let me tell you this. Listen, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. The sower came and then he sowed. He just, all the seed was good seed. But it doesn't really matter the quality of the word. It also matters where it lands. And some fell on good soil, and some fell amongst amongst thorns, and some fell on stony ground. And he described the word falling on amongst thorns. He said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choked the word. Listen, there are many sincere believers in church who went out there, experienced hardship in their career, in their marriage, or in maybe any other aspect of their life, and they were not prepared for it. And it choked the word. It's not just about the efficacy of the word. It's not just about the health of the word. It's about the environment on which it is planted. That's something you have to understand. And so topics like this are very important. Because you know what I'm saying. You're a tongue-speaking believer, but you have a bit of competition. There's nothing going on, maybe even in church. And what is so horrible is that we have assimilated it as part of church culture. We see it as nothing wrong. Even churches compete. Praise the Lord. So this is serious. So... You can strive all the wrong ways through all the wrong means. And one of the most horrible things that can happen to anybody is to succeed in something you should never even do. Now you become so hardened in your deceit. You even share a testimony in church. 
You become so accustomed and religious in that deceit. Now, who can help you? So make no mistake, this is something we need to talk about. You know, and I feel very likely, um, very much, that I've already said a lot about this topic this year alone. Earlier, earlier this year, one of the most viral topics I ever preached, it was actually on faith, but then we talked about David and Joseph. Remember that sermon? And of all the sermons I've ever preached, this particular one just appeared to get the attention of people. And everywhere I went in that season, to the gym, to the airport, even to the hospital, you know, I, my, my, my daughter needed a checkup. Someone will walk up to me and say, oh, you're the one in that video. Thank you. And I have a lot to say about that, but let me just put it this way. I will revisit some of the elementary ideas that I shared earlier, then we go into something deeper. Because you have to understand, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he taught parables. And some people like that mode of communication and preaching. Ah, Jesus, your homiletics, you know, top notch. I like the way he breaks things down. Not knowing that Jesus was teaching parables because they couldn't bear anything else. And so, respectfully, by the sermons that go viral, I realize how much work we have to do. Because that was basic, that was elementary. And part of the reasons God has sent pastors is because to begin with, people don't even know what they need. They don't even know what is deep. I'm saying it honestly. I mean, just imagine it. God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us. You find him praying in a garden. You are curious to learn how to pray. You've been praying for centuries. You want to learn how to pray so that you can shake the heavens, rend the heavens, and, you know, turn the earth house upside down with prayers. And you're curious. You wait for him to finish, and you say, teach us to pray. And what he's saying, you, I mean, you're wondering. He said, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're not really interested in that. When will the kingdom be restored to Israel? Can we pray political prayers? Israel is being colonized. And we ask you to teach us to pray. And this is your focus. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's where mind renewal comes. So like I said, we'll revisit some of those basic elementary but important ideas. The fact that some things are more important does not mean that's not also important. And there's no shame if you really need what is elementary. Please don't pretend. That's why we're here. Amen, somebody. Come on, I said amen, somebody. So listen, one of the great mysteries in life is that you cannot determine people's destiny by people's journey. You can't determine. Do you know how hard it is to just from your intellect predict how a child will end up? Just intellectually. Do you know how hard, how hard it is 
Let me ask something respectfully. How many of the cool guys and cool girls in your secondary school are still cool now? Have you ever seen someone that, you know, was turning the school upside down recently and you're like, oh, is, is that you? And I mean that respectfully. It's very hard. You cannot judge a person's destiny by a person's journey. Don't be too quick to conclude about anybody. Oh, especially where grace is involved. I've seen it many times. Someone's life can turn around like this. <laughs> There's one of my sons that was being dragged on Twitter last year. And what I see the Lord using, using him to do now, it's just amazing. Like, so much can change in short, such a short time. So, back to that same example. Joseph became prime minister at the age of 30. Prime minister of Egypt. Interestingly, David, the Bible tells us, began to reign at the age of 30. Same age. Radically different process. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? You know, now, let's rewind back years before. 12 years before. When Joseph was 18, do you know where he was? In prison. When David was 18, he was already famous. He had just killed Goliath. Both of them were going to end up with a similar testimony, the similar destination. Both of them had political careers by the favor of God. But the journey was different. And guess what? At age 30, they arrived at relatively the same place. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you understand this about life, maybe you will cut yourself a bit of slack. You will stop concluding too early. You stop saying, see what my mates are doing. What am I still doing? That pressure, that ungodly pressure must die today. Say loud, amen. Amen. So even if I didn't start at the pace I expected, it doesn't mean I won't end up at the place that I expect. Say loud amen. amen. So to bring it into context, I remember some months ago, I finished preaching in the Abuja church. And one of my protégés who is, should be in his mid-30s, just in a moment of honesty, he just grabbed me after the service. And he looked around. He said, sir, tell me honestly, can God ever use me like this? That was what he said. I mean, people were still around. We were still in church. Just looked around and said, can God ever use me like this? I just feel like so much time has passed. Look at my age. This is, you know, you know what I told him? I said, at your age, Pastor Adeboye was not even yet a pastor. <laughs> Come on, I get what I'm saying. We have these stereotypical perspectives about people's journey and how fast they must start to get to where they want to get to. You're dealing with God. There is something called divine speed. It's not a myth. 
It's not. It's not. So that someone, namely David, started his political career early. By 18, he had started making a case for the throne. And everybody, all eyes are on him. He had already been anointed and all of that. <laughs> Joseph, on the other hand, is in prison one weekend. And they just call him. <laughs> Have you heard testimonies like that? Some of them happen in this church and you are wondering, you know, some of them I want to investigate. I, I don't believe. Last report came. I, I gave a prophecy. I can't even remember what I said. I said, someone, you're in debt. And the Lord said, he's going to restore you tenfold or something like that. I can't even remember. And then one week after, this guy who um, resigned his job, put all his savings in a venture and the venture crashed, got this big breakthrough. And they were going to pay him 20 million monthly. So, no, so when the person told me, I said, no, wait. <laughs> I'm not talking about annual pay. I said, how much monthly? He said, 20 million. I said, ask him again. Don't tell me what you're not sure. <laughs> ha! You know, the kind of testimony you say, God, now me professor, and I was. <laughs> don't think because I'm pastor, I don't. You know, Shelen. <laughs> I don't mind, though. <laughs> How can that kind of prophecy come out of my own mouth? Pass my mouth. Touch someone. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so, but, but I've seen it many times. Many times. Ah, that's why you must treat everybody with honor. You must. Don't make things awkward for yourself. Don't start trying to adjust and join all those people that say, we always knew we'd make it. Stop lying. You did not know. <laughs> Stop lying. You treated me bad. <laughs> Stop. Have you noticed there's nobody that is successful that everybody that grew up with him did not know he would be successful? Why are you always lying? We always, in fact, from the way you used to walk, we just, we knew you have money. You are lying. Bishop David Oedipo started preaching at 15. Pastor Adeboye joined Redeemed at 34. <laughs> joined Redeemed. Eh? At 29, he was still patronizing herbalists. Are, are you with me? Yes, sir. So, especially when it comes to the things of the spirit, you cannot judge conclusively someone's destiny by their journey. You can't. You can't. You can't. And so, when you see Bishop Oedipo recognize Pastor Adeboye as spiritual father, there's so many lessons in there, so many. So many. Yeah, thank God I started early. Not everybody will be like me. That's a fact. 
And it takes a lot of honesty to tell you this. I'm, I'm telling you, especially those of you who have a call on your life, so that you'll be delivered from unnecessary pressure. The reason why we have the kind of reach we have now, yeah, grace has a lot to do with it, but there is also an assignment. I have an assignment. There's a reason God, has, I wish I had time to break it down for you. And God gave us speed to open other people to possibility. There's a reason. He did it for others. Not exactly because it was special. So, what I'm actually teaching you is discernment. So you, you will understand the workings of God. It will make you live light. It will deliver you from competition, from strife. <laughs> So that you don't, you don't think you just need to exert yourself more. I believe in hard work. I'm very hardworking. The blind person can see it. But the reality of the situation is, if God give you, God give you. Celebrate grace. <laughs> I'm being honest. Zuzuz. <laughs> Zwa. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you know why many people resonate with that message? <laughs> the message is correct, but many people's resonation with the message is wrong. Their motives are wrong. There is one key word why people embrace messages like that. It's vindication. Vind Listen. What I just mentioned is the single reason why many movies sell. Vindication. Check all the storylines. Snow White. All her sisters are treating her bad. Abby? Cinderella. All her sisters are treating her bad. And then eventually, God win. That's, that's the storyline. Um, Sleeping Beauty. Most best-selling movies thrive on vindication as the storyline. And so when someone presents to you the story of Joseph, how hard it was at the beginning, same storyline. Brothers hated him, sold him to slavery, and then imagine plot twists. <laughs> he now becomes prime minister. Not just that, that's the only place in the world that has food, so you have to go there. Some of you, you listen, you are a religious hater, you just don't know. So you have pictured it that all the people that don't like me, they will come to me. You even pray about it. There are prayers like that. Anybody that does not wish me well, they will eat from my table. <laughs> so when you investigate your motives, you are really actually competitive. You're competing with someone, and it seems like you're winning. And this message of hope presents to you a fighting chance, even though it doesn't seem like it. And I want to tell you, you're still wrong. <laughs> and that's why when many people eventually have a glimpse of the breakthrough, they change. They, became, they, they become so petty. They become so childish. 
doing funny things. Have you seen someone who is doing better financially and pretends they don't know you? <laughs> that thing is, 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 is painful. Let's be honest. I've told you the story before. I met this guy who I used to know in primary school. We're best of friends, or at least very close. And I kept anticipating the time I would see him again. So when I saw him several years after, I couldn't hide the excitement. And I shouted his name. I kid you not. <laughs> see, you're only permitted to laugh about this once. <laughs> agree. If you don't agree, I won't say it. <laughs> So he turned, he looked at me. He, we, were, we were buying something, we were at the shop. So he turned, looked at me, and looked back forward. So he said, so I thought, ah, oh, he has forgotten me. So after he had finished placing his order, he now called my phone in. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm a child of God. <laughs> So, it is incidences like this that will make you say, for my life. <laughs> so, if you ever saw someone, maybe an old friend, and the person was waiting for you to greet first. I know the person is wrong, but don't blame them. It's experience. <laughs> because some people, they want to size you up. They want to they gauge the response. Hallelujah. I remember the first major car breakthrough I, I got. Someone gave me a car. The same place I've been living, driving out the next morning, the greeting was different. That's when I knew this life is petty. Hallelujah. This life is petty. I'm, I'm shocked. Till now. Ah, you see me. Oh, you see me. And this is also the same reason why Christians, when they don't get what they want, they're so bitter. They slip into depression. Their faith be be becomes shaky. This is the same reason. Because it's all about the needs. That's all you think of when you wake up. It's the last thing you think of before you sleep. It's all you pray about, all you talk about, all you, that's all your life is about. I want to say this respectfully. I wasn't going to say this. But yesterday, I gave a simple test on my social media. I said, if money was not an issue, what will you do with your life? You know what many of you said? I will travel around the world. Wow, that's what you will do if you, if, if you had all the money. If money was not a hindrance, that's, that's, that was what was top of mind for you. Ah. You would travel around. That's what came to your mind first. <laughs> what do you want? You want to argue? <laughs> eh? To preach the gospel. <laughs> Don't change it. Don't change it. Don't change it. Don't change it. See, go and check it. Some people said, I will travel around, learn new cultures, take pictures. 
Yes. Don't add preach the gospel. You didn't say that. <laughs> listen, listen. As simple as this is, it's, it's, it's important too. It's important. I thought all this while. You were seeing poor people and saying, oh God, if you would give me more resources, I will help. I thought you already had a dream waiting for the money to come. I thought. And then with your full chest, you saw people saying, I will build hospitals. I will, you say you will travel around. You must not delete that comment. Too. Don't, you must not delete, leave it the way it is. If you delete it, I will call you out. I have screenshots. <laughs> well, I don't, but just quickly, I'm just screenshots. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. This spirit that makes you keep seeking vindication is borderline witchcraft. You just don't know. I'm telling you. <laughs> Even if you might have a good reason, like people keep abusing power and wealth. They keep treating me anyhow. Then you say, me too. And then in your, when I make it, you, this, listen, these are silent conversations you've had in your heart. And there are some people you might have even marked that you in particular, I will show you. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any friend that, you know, had something and they wanted you to see it. I mean, anyway, never mind about that. So you want to teach them a lesson. And here is why it is dangerous. You become happy, not just at your success, but the fact that you are superseding other people. It's a problem. It's a terrible mindset. So it is not just your progress that is making you happy. It is the fact that you are progressing at the expense of others. That's wrong. Let me tell you something. The way our culture is structured, social media, you can get into this habit without knowing. That's why I'm teaching it. Because what I just described seems normal. We joke about it, he choke. Who are you joking? No. You know, see, I know some of you, you just say it just for cruise. See, I know all the slangs, okay? <laughs> I know you just say it, but, but really, fundamentally, it just reveals this underlying culture that we have. We like to, ah, you step on their neck, you know? We like that. Poor Pepe in our eye. We, we are very oppressive. We enjoy it. Except when we're at the receiving end. Let me tell you something. You will hardly hear any sermon. <laughs> I know you are motivated by the Joseph story, but let me break it to you. Not all of us will become prime ministers. <laughs> Not all of us will become prime ministers. 
every one of us will fulfill God's plan for our lives. But not all of us will become what? <laughs> Take it now. <laughs> so that you won't be frustrated. I've told you. And guess what? It's not a problem. It's not a bad thing. And in fact, let me make an argument. In many cases, you are better off for it. You are better off for it. Let me paint a scenario. Listen, 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 listen. You maybe never considered this before. Come here, man of God. Just imagine this is Joseph. I want you to make a choice. This is Joseph. Joseph at 17 is sold to slavery. Not you. Joseph. 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 I said, your name is Joseph. He said, my father's name is Joseph. I don't put me in trouble, please. Your name is not Joseph. <laughs> Answer what I ask you. <laughs> so, Joseph at 17 is sold to slavery. Pay attention to this. At 18, the biggest scandal of his life happens. He's accused of something he didn't do. He's put in prison. Now, the brothers of Joseph, on the other hand, they are in their father's house, Jacob's house. The father is a rich man, taking care of them, has a lot of livestock. And yes, they do something wrong. They sell Joseph to slavery. But at the time when their father's wealth began to deplete because of farming, they go to the only place where there is food, and their brother is prime minister. So, I want to ask you, who would you rather be? Hold on. Listen. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Pay attention. Don't get ahead of myself. Are you with me now? Joseph is in prison. Are you with me? He's in prison for 12 years. 12 years. You know, you just read through the chapters and it seems short. <laughs> that ah, he was in prison, then he became prime minister. So he's hungering you. <laughs> he was in prison 12 years. But his brother, just cruising, this is the... Listen, this is the true definition of grace. Because you even did something wrong. You don't deserve it. You sold your own brother to slavery. Then cruise. When, when there is famine, you go there, there. As God will have it. God has already worked on Joseph's heart to forgive. Then you are now the brother of the prime minister. So, <laughs> thank you very much. I want to ask you now, who would you rather be? <laughs> Calm down now. You people, now me teach you, you know me. Calm down. 
Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is so important. So do you know that you can make an argument that God actually loved the brothers of Joseph more? And Joseph went through all that he went through to preserve them. And you know, and, and that's, you see, listen, God is so deep. This is the reason why you must not be competitive. You, you, you don't even see it. You don't even see that the people he is blessing, he's blessing for your sake. And these things you only see at the end. Some of them you will see in 10 years' time. Some of them in 30 years' time. Some of them you will never see until Christ comes. I want you, by discernment, to save yourself from unnecessary competition and strife and trust God. Be okay. Being a brother of Joseph, God is blessing your brother. Be happy. <laughs> Be happy. Because he gave why. Come on, are you with me? So practically, you can make an argument. It appears that God loved, quote and unquote, the brothers of Joseph more, if you are judging love by that. But when Joseph comes and sees in a vision, his brothers are bowing. They are angry. They are angry. They could have killed him. Not knowing that in killing him, they had killed themselves. Sometimes you, you don't even see what God is doing. And if you have to wait to see it before you do what you need to do, you're not, you're not being a believer. So the sooner you learn contentment, the better. But then spiritually, I mean, isn't it interesting? You come down to the lineage of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. You check through all the greats in the Old Testament. And to your shock, Joseph is not among. Listen, this was the biggest privilege any Old Testament character could have. To be part of the lineage from which the Christ will come. It was the biggest privilege. <laughs> and guess what? He, didn't come. he came through one of Jacob's children and it was not Joseph. It was who? Think about that. It was Judah. All this while it was Judah. All this while. All this while. And so in the immediate, you think, oh, God, this is unfair. You just keep blessing Joseph. And at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, through the lens of eternity, Judah was the most important person in that family. Think about that. So maybe, maybe we are too short-sighted. <laughs> Think about that. Maybe we are too short-sighted. You are judging by iPhone.
That's what you are judging. You are judging by Peruvian hair. Bone streets. You feel inferior because of superficial things. Maybe we have a lot more to learn. So not all of us will be prime minister. And that's not a problem. Hallelujah. You know you are growing spiritually when you not, want nothing other than God's plan for your life. There is nobody I would rather be. I'm happy for everybody. Happy for their process. Happy for their blessing. You know. <laughs> and let me surprise you. The true motivation for contentment is not my time is coming. <laughs> you, see, you see why um, I was both happy and sad that that video went viral. Oh, this is what people... <laughs> the true motivation for contentment is not that your time is coming. The true motivation for contentment is Christ. And that's not a religious statement. It's a true statement. If your contentment is not Christ, you still haven't got the message. You still don't understand it. What the Bible teaches about satisfaction and about the hope for tomorrow is not that your own car is coming. It's not breakfast or however it is they say it. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is Christ. Our motivation is not on things. Our contentment cannot be traced to anything. It is traced to Christ. Say loud amen if you understand that. Turn the Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. A lesson there. Some of you are going to need this very much. Oh, dear Jesus. This is a text you're very familiar with. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a burnt servant and coming in the likeness of men. Listen, listen, listen. This is what contentment is about. Contentment is not waiting until you have your own. Contentment is being satisfied in the will of God. Listen, because Christ at the beginning had it all. Did not consider equality with God something to strive for or something to hold on to for his own personal advantage. He was willing to lay it down. That's why you realize that the true great people in the Bible, even when they had what they had been gunning for all their life, they were still willing to lay it down. That like Abraham, you waited for years to get Isaac. Isaac. Then God says, take Isaac. Give him to me. And you need just one sleep. By the next morning, you are marching with Isaac to the mountain. Listen, if even in your subconscious, what you are pursuing is things. And that's your motivation for contentment. You will still have a problem on the way. 
So this is the mind he said you should have. He had everything. He laid it down. Took on the form of a servant. Was obedient unto death. Listen, 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 listen. The reason why you resonate with the Joseph story is because in his lifetime, his brothers discovered they were wrong. Ha! You're not getting it. That's why you resonate with it. It's, a, it's, it's still petty. Jesus was obedient unto death. The people he, that put him on the cross did not acknowledge their fault before he died. This is a totally different mindset. Listen, the Christian perspective to contentment is different. So forget Cinderella story and all those stories where in your lifetime, everybody now sees. They tried to bury us. They didn't know that we are seed. You know, all, all those kind of all those kind of petty catchphrases. And you feel spiritual about it. But it's just carnal motivation. This is what the Bible actually teaches. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's why some religious people are frustrated because they expect vindication in this lifetime. And they keep saying things like, you know, there are some. <laughs> Can I speak freely? You know, there are some things that African parents used to tell you growing up. They tell you if you cut corners, you will end up in jail. But you know that your friend who has been in Yahoo business for 20 years and is untouched. Listen, let me tell you something. In this world, you will see many people get away with many wicked things. Unlike the Cinderella story. <laughs> if you are waiting for it to happen the way it happened in Cinderella story, you will hate God. You will start doubting your faith. You wonder what is happening. It is because, it's because you have not put your faith where it ought to be. There is a final vindication when Christ comes. That's when all men will be rewarded for all the things they do in the body. That's where your faith ought to be. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, giving him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things on earth, of things beneath the earth. Our culture has taught us to be so short-sighted. And so we think of eternity as something that will almost never come. Meanwhile, even if you live 200 years in this current life, it's still infinitely insignificant in comparison to eternity. And so Jesus tells you, he didn't say, in the name of Jesus, nobody can kill you. Mm -mm. He said, don't fear those who can only kill your flesh. He said, fear he that can condemn both flesh and the soul. See, any perspective of contentment that does not have eternity as its focus. <laughs> It's still 40. 
Because if you are being sacrificial in your Christian faith, saying that, I don't worry, eventually, in this life, it will still happen. So you're passionate about the change of your country. And Jesus is just out there multiplying bread. He has not said anything about Herod. He has not said anything about democracy. He's just like, okay, no problem. He goes on three and a half years ministry. He has not said anything, no problem. He will still say something. He dies. Ah! He rises the third day. Then he stays 40 days. He still hasn't said anything. Then he's about to ascend. In Acts 1, read it. Not say, sir. <laughs> when will the kingdom be restored? To... Have you read your Bible? Have you read that before? And much to your displeasure, you know what he replies? Not your business. It is not to you to know the times and seasons which God has placed in his hands. But you shall receive power. Ah! After all this while, he's saying, let your priority still be the gospel. Let your priority still be the gospel. Because in the gospel, there is a final and eternal vindication. Wow! <laughs> now, this is the true teaching on contentment. It's based on Christ and Christ alone. And when your contentment is based on Christ, the first miracle you will see in your life is that you become free. Some of you are in prison, you don't know. You are prisoners of the thoughts of other people. There are things that you ought to have started now, you don't want to start, because what will people think? There are things that you should be doing now, you're not doing, because what will people think? You are in prison. Because Jesus sought to please no other person but God, he was free. Jesus said whatever he needed to say, did whatever he needed to do. I mean, just look at Matthew 9. Matthew 9 alone, I mean, the, my commentary of Matthew 9 <laughs> is simply this counterculture. I don't really care what people think. So now in Matthew 9, there's a man, a paralytic man. And he's not the only one there. Other religious folks are there. And Jesus goes to that man. You, Jesus wants to heal that man. He could have just said, be healed. Rise up and take your bed and walk. You know what Jesus said? You this Jesus that they are already criticizing you. You go to him and say, your sins are forgiven. And people became angry. And Jesus said, calm down. Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and take your bed and walk. I said it on purpose. Are you getting this? <laughs> Listen, contentment brings boldness. You're not trying to please anybody. I said it on purpose so that you will know that the Son of Man had power to forgive sins. I said it on purpose. What a mindset. It's called God-fidence if there's anything like that. Add it to your dictionary. That you, you are here to please God. I don't really care what you think. It's true anyway. <laughs> I said it so that you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive. 
then you leave that place. You're going on the road. You see Matthew, who's, who was a customs officer. If you have had any issues with customs, you know you need to walk in faith to... You know, two years ago, I was in a bad place with that institution, customs. I'm, I might have seen Matthew and ignored. Maybe I would have been annoyed too. But now, this is a controversial figure. And now, you are a public figure. And you know how people always want to judge your every action? And you don't want to please, you don't want to displease people. You want to keep your popularity. Do you know what it means to be so secure that people will stop following you? A multitude of people that you fed with five loaves and two fish. Because you said that the bread come down from heaven, they stop following you and you're still okay. You look at the 12 that are remaining and say, will you also go? That's, listen, that's contentment. So it, that means it was never really about the crowd. It was never really about the success. If your perspective of contentment is that vindication is coming, you still haven't got it. So all of a sudden, this mega church shrinks to 12 and you're still okay. Uh, will you guys also go? Now, people don't expect him to talk to Matthew. <laughs> and he says to Matthew, follow me. And he said, why is this teacher talking to tax collectors and sinners? Do you know how hard it is to be a preacher like Jesus in our day? It is one thing to read about it. But <laughs> if you see your man of God with a girl that is dressed in some certain way, in public, come on, are you with me? It was like in Matthew chapter 9 alone, he was going from one trouble to another. First, you forgive sins. Second, you talk to Matthew. Third, they ask you, why is it that the Pharisees fast often and your disciples don't fast? And you don't say, ah, okay, we, we increase our fasting now. 40 days fasting. And the reply he gave, <laughs> he said, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. Not now. Just very secure and very confident in purpose and in the will of God. And then next, they tell you one young damsel is dead. You go to the place. It, it, you just imagine how hard it must have been to be Jesus' disciple. You go with Jesus to a burial. Everybody is crying. And you say, oh, stop crying. Don't worry. She's not dead. She's sleeping. Sir, just raise her up and go. Why do you have, why do you have to do this? Do you, it was so ridiculous that the people who were crying stopped crying and started laughing. Ah, this one. I know death is bad, but madness. <laughs> what do you mean he's sleeping? Why did Jesus talk the way he talked? Why did he act the way he acted? Some of you, you need to be free. If you listen, if you are not content, if you don't come out of this prison of the thoughts and the opinions of men, you will never do great for God. 
and that's not a curse. It's just the way things are. You need to be free and confident in the scheme of your divine call so that you can do what God will have you do. Say loud amen if you're following me. And then when you do it, you will discover that men find bravery attractive. Can I tell you something about a, your culture you have not noticed? People appreciate brave people. There are many people who are very brave about their sin and the world celebrates them. How dare you not be bold about righteousness? Listen, bravery is beautiful. It doesn't matter how well what you do is. If you are not bold, it won't attract men. That's why boldness must come with the preaching of the gospel. That's why in Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness to preach the gospel. Boldness makes the gospel attractive. It, 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 it stirs up a curiosity, a fascination. These men are not educated. How are they so bold? Then the Bible says they took account that they had been with Christ. That's your beauty. Don't let anybody make you cast away your confidence. The Bible says, for there is a great recompense of reward. Sell out, amen. Be bold. Be free. Be content. Do what God will have you do. Go where God will have you go. Be satisfied on your own lane. Don't cross lanes. Don't run another man's race. That's what competition will make you do. It will make you run another man's race. Right now, the Olympics is holding. All right? In Tokyo, isn't it? When it comes to race, there are different types of races. And there are different races. There is the sprint and then there is the marathon. And they have different principles. meter dash will last 10 seconds, 11 seconds if you are slow at that level. But marathon takes longer. It takes a different type of energy being expended. Are you learning what I'm teaching already? Are you getting the idea already? Now, someone else is running a dash, a 100 meter dash, and it just starts and it's just going. And you were doing a marathon. But because of that, did you ever run with someone who was used to 100 meter dashes and went to run with a marathon and started with that energy? Have you ever seen? Ah, modern schools don't. Government schools know what I'm saying. There will always be that guy that will faint halfway. They will now chew glucose in his mouth. You didn't say, you know those guys. <laughs> there will always be that guy. extra ginger. You just. The race just, the race just, just checking two minutes after glucose. Some of you, that's what you are doing with your destiny. So impatient. Hallelujah. There has to be a tenacity. So that like Abraham, you stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. So that you can be strong in faith, giving glory to God. And thank God 
for the blessings that come with our faith. But then, this is our actual testimony. What can separate us from the love of God? What? Shall tribulation or distress or angels or demons or things present or things to come or nakedness, thank God He meets our needs. Thank God for divine provision. Thank God for supernatural supply. Thank God for favor. All the things that we decree and declare in church, they are still not the object of our contentment. You have not learned contentment until you can come to a point where you say, yay, in all these things. I am still more than a conqueror. Do you know what that means? It means that you don't judge conquest by earthly victories. So if in nakedness you can say I'm more than a conqueror, it means your perspective and your, your focus is something else. How can you say in all these things? He listed all the things he's talking about too. Persecution. Listen, it is either Jesus knew what he was saying or he is out of his mind. How can he say, blessed are you when men revile you and say negative things about you? This is something this generation needs to learn. Someone puts a comment on your Instagram and you lose your peace the whole day. What is wrong with you? Haven't you read your Bible? He said, blessed are you. When men say negative things about you, you know what he said? He said, rejoice. How can you do that? How can you, listen, how can you say, how can you go on Instagram and see a comment, a derogatory comment, and then you go, glory! You know, won't that be something, you know, that would be quite a sight. And this is the kind of training that God is giving you. kind of man would you have to be? What kind of woman would you have to be to have that kind of perspective? Where you are so unmovable, unshakable, in the storm and in the rain, in season and out of season. Some people are so weak, you can judge by their demeanor when they have money and when they don't. Their smile is wider when they have money. Even their handshake is firmer when they have money. But when, when things are, you know, if they can still tell by your demeanor <laughs> what is happening in your life, you have a lot to learn. You know, sometimes when I give some people some insight into my life, they're just like, God, you are so strong. Maybe two days ago, I just said, oh, we're meant to have live video. Sorry, there was an emergency. We move. We'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> that thing I said in passing, if you know what God brought me out of, <laughs> and I will say, yeah, you don't need to know. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember, I think it was about three years ago. It looked, 
I had to go and check my, maybe I was tempted to check my birth certificate. Do I have Job in my name? What is that? <laughs> because that day, it was like everything was going wrong. Those of you who have a call on your life and you want a mega church, except if you want to be a fake pastor, do you know the responsibility of having charge over many people? See, your family becomes large. And so their troubles become your troubles. I remember, oh my God. And so one day, it was like attacks everywhere. They called me, sir, your son in Portacot, his hand is not moving. I said, hand is not moving. What does that mean? Prayed for him. Um, another phone call. Sir, your daughter on the island, she's about to commit suicide. Give her the phone. Prayed for her. Sir, someone else. Ah, ah, in one day. About eight horrible phone calls. And then me personally. Some more trials. That was what I was talking about. About the Matthew joke, customs and all of that. I got a car gift, went through due process, you know, tried to make sure the customs papers were right, you know, I was still new to the... <laughs> All right, I was in Abuja at the time, sent the car to me. As the car was coming, they impounded the car. Uh, you know, long story. And all of that was happening after we went through all the rigors, the process paid close to a million to get that car out. They were driving, the person that was driving the car for me entered the gallop, something broke and the car was fully automated. So just because of that single sensor that broke, the AC stopped working, the boot stopped opening, you know, like five things fault. And you know automated cars, how expensive all these things are. Eventually they brought the car. They used rope to hold lights, all those kind of and then that morning, someone sent me a picture of his car. Said he parked his car outside and someone was passing and brushed his car. He said, sir, what is wrong? Does God love me at all? <laughs> so, I looked at that message like this. I showed my wife. You know, some of us are so petty and unthankful and we don't even know it. You wanted to know if God loves you. <laughs> I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am. <laughs> Say, call him Jaira. Jaira, you are. Sing it from your heart. Sing Jaira, you are. Sing, I will be content in every circumstance. In every circumstance. Say, you are. <laughs> Listen, you know what the Bible says? Solomon was talking about his predicament. He said, I have everything. I surrendered myself to mirth. 
I got people to sing and make music for me every day. I had gold without number, silver without number. He said all of this was a vexation of spirits. He called it vanity. He called it vain. This was Solomon's issue. He said, how can I labor so much, have all this wealth, and I still get to die? He said, that's like all I have. I will still get to die, and someone else will inherit it. He says, and only God knows if the person that inherits it will be a wise person or a fool. He says, despite all my prudence, someone else will inherit all this money. I don't get to take it to the grave. All is vanity upon vanity. Listen, the richest man that ever lived still wanted eternal life. You missed that. The richest man that ever lived still wanted eternal life. And that is proof that true contentment comes from the hope of eternity in Christ. And so that was the real lesson in Luke 12. That guy got so wealthy, his bands were filled, he broke it, built a bigger one. And God said, foolish man, your soul is required of you. He says, now let's see who will spend all you have kept. Listen, I want you to be wise in the investment of your life. This is investment. This is commerce. What shall it profit a man? Profit is a financial term. Jesus is helping you make a wise investment. What shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Be wise. Trust in God. Trust in Christ. Invest wisely. And then listen. He that has everything but does not have Christ has nothing. And he that has nothing but has Christ has everything. And he that has everything and has Christ does not have more than he that has Christ alone. These are the words of Augustine of Hippo. And it's so true. You must base your perspective and your value on eternity. I will be content in every circumstance. You are You are enough. Let me tell you this. You can never truly be effective in evangelism until you can see people who have money and don't have Christ as needy. This is what has hindered our evangelism. We envy people who desperately need what we have. Until we have a proper perspective of the value of the eternal life we have, Zacchaeus will stop climbing the tree to look for Jesus. Cornelius will stop prostrating for a mere fisherman like Peter. But these things happened in the Bible because the value of eternal things were where they ought to be. And so just by Jesus coming close to Zacchaeus and looking at him, Zacchaeus repents. He said, half of my goods I give to the poor. He says, if I've taken anything, I return fourfold. What is it about Jesus that convicted people so much? 
What have we lost in this generation that makes us envy people that should envy us? Do you know what you have? Thank God for the money. And thank God for all these things that we will have and use rightly. But we place premium on the gospel. We place premium on eternal life. And listen, Jesus said, anyone who will drink this water that I shall give, we will never thirst. So there is a satisfaction that still makes you happy, even when your pocket has not aligned. Except he lied. He said, if you drink that water, you will never thirst. That means true contentment comes in the Spirit of God and in the Gospel of Christ. Father, we thank you. You've made us strong. <laughs> Some trust in horses. That's why they are so weak. Some trust in chariots. But we trust in the name of the Lord. The name by which we are saved. We thank you. Our joy is not circumstantial. Oh, our joy is a fruit of our spirits. You've made us solid. You've made us soldiers. And despite all that we face, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. That's why we are so bold. How can we not be when we have the Holy Ghost? That's why we are so happy. That's why we have a song on our lips and a dance on our feet. We thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.